If you have a copy of God's Word, I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. We continue in the Summer of Happy series. We're in the Beatitudes of Jesus speaking, blessed are you or happy are you. But before we get into the message today, we talk about um, who has ever been told when you're a child, pray for world peace. Anybody? You're wasting your time, okay? <laughs> world peace is never going to happen. We're told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but when we pray for that, we're praying for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that word, that message is cloaked in, in a message of his return. So when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we're praying for the come Lord Jesus, come. Now, should we be praying, obviously, for the Lord to help factions in the world and different trouble spots and evil? The answer is yes. Pray against those things. But world peace is never going to happen. And I, if I burst your bubble this morning, I do apologize, but um, you need to read the scriptures. The Bible's very clear as the days get closer to the Lord's return. We're seven days closer this Sunday than we were last Sunday. As the days get closer, the times are going to get evil. People will not love as much as they did in the past. Did you know that? We here in Aiken, there's a, a former church member's daughter was shot this week and, and killed by a drive-by shooting. How foolish and what a meaningless attempt to, to whatever the reasoning, no matter what the reasoning might be, whether it was words exchanged or, or something else, it's, it's, it's fruitless, it's pointless. And I thought that's, that was their daughter. That was John and Carlene's daughter. And she used to sit in this very church and, and sing and, and talk. And it just, um, it just, it overwhelmed me this week to think that happened this past Thursday. For us as a church, we know, and we're going to read next week as we get into the Beatitude next week, Jesus says, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake. And Jesus himself said, I did not come to the earth to bring peace. Did you know that? Jesus said, I'm going to divide. I come every time. If you're in a room of people and you drop the name of Jesus in a reverent way, you're going to get a room full of decisions about Jesus, won't you? Some will reject him, some will curse him, and some will praise him and say, amen, he's my savior also. Every time you speak about Jesus, he's a dividing line. He even divided our calendar. He divided time because he's God. So just know when, you, when we preach this message of peace today, when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he's talking about you and me making disciples of Jesus Christ. First, becoming his disciple, we get his peace, and we're going to say all the other things, or I can't show you all of them, obviously you need to read the scripture, but we get so many more things from God our Father when Jesus is our Savior. You understand that? So when you read this, if you're not careful, blessed are the peacemakers, you think all the time I have to, oh, this I think of my mother always trying to make things peaceful. She'll never call a bad thing a bad thing until it's like it gets really bad and it's proven, right? Even then, it wasn't so bad. She was always trying to fix things and bring peace. Any of you mothers like that? Let's just bring peace. I know you were shot five times, but just forgive them, right? So um, the point being is we're, gonna, we're in days of trouble. And a message like this today, I titled it, A Peacemaker's Resume. And you're going to see what your resume, and your resume gets ready for the job, right? You, you think you're equipped for that job, so therefore you put your resume in. You tell the place that's trying to hire you, hey, I sent my resume, and I hope you can look over it and tell me if I'm fit for the job. Well, we as Christians have a spiritual resume as well that God gives to us, and one of those spiritual resume portions is a peacemaker. A peace, and what's the second word? Maker. Any of y'all know how to make biscuits? I can never do it. I know how to do it. I just can't do it. I can't put the process. Nina can make biscuits better than anybody. She can make them as good as my mother. 
Now, Steve can make biscuits, I know that, but Nina, we taught one year in school how to make buttermilk biscuits. Paula Dean buttermilk biscuits. That child, or now young lady, she's not a child anymore, that girl can make some biscuits. Just, just so you know, if, if you ever uh, want biscuits, she's the one to, to see. But you make them. You've got to take the ingredients and put them together, <clears throat> and you have to actually work to make them. You ever made a living? You ever heard somebody say, I made a living doing this? It's implied that you actually did something to get something. Today, people would just want to get. We've had kids in our camp that, uh, that get in trouble and say, well, I, I'm just going to stay home my whole life, and I want people to give me money. It doesn't happen, but that's our society. All right, today, a, a peacemaker's resume. Let's look at this, because it's not exactly what it seems it is. It seems like uh, we just have to go through and constantly just take it on the chin and be the peacemakers constantly. Let's see what Jesus is talking about. Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read through verse 9, because you know we've been going through the Beatitudes. And let me read these quickly. And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now the children of God. Isn't it exciting to know that God will call you his child? Let's get into our notes and see, go through this quickly because we have a lot about the scripture. Get ready to turn and, and, and burn through the scriptures today because we have a lot to look at. And this is just a scratch on the whole surface of what Jesus talks about peace. In your notes, genuine peace begins with a genuine source. His name is Jesus. Would you agree? Isaiah 9, 6, if you would go there with me, I love this passage of scripture, not because I love it more than any other, but this was the scripture by which I was saved. The preacher preached near Christmas time, and he talked about this, and he asked the questions that this passage reads about. Isaiah 9, 6, when you're there, say amen. The scripture says this, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, or you, if you have NIV, it says Wonderful Counselor together. I don't think he cares, right? His name is Wonderful. His name is Counselor. His name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the pastor simply asked this question, do you have turmoil in your life today? And I'm like, man, I did. I was always wanting to fight. I was always angry. I was ready to go at any time, any moment's notice. And I was 21, not knowing which way to turn in life, had a child and had a that was going to end a career, start something else, didn't know what I was going to do, and still like to fight just for the sake of fighting. And lo and behold, I hear this message in a church I've never been to before. And he says, do you need counsel? And I said, no, it's <laughs> a lot of that, right? Anybody else need counsel today? It should be all of us because we all need godly counsel. I, I set you up for that one. Counsel, but you won't counsel for someone who knows what they're talking about, who's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as somebody who will keep it confidential. Isn't that the worst part about talking about a counselor? You, you express to them what, you, uh, what you're feeling, and then it sounds like they turn back around and ask somebody for prayer requests that you would pray for so-and-so because I talked with them or counseled with them, and this is what they're going through. Do you need a counselor 24 hours a day, seven days a week, who will give you exact counsel that you need with wisdom and will keep it totally confidential? Well, I had a top-secret clearance, and I didn't trust anyone. 
There were Russians and Chinese around all the time, they were telling us, and we're always on the lookout for somebody trying to get secrets from us because of what the, the nature of our job. I trusted no one. Lo and behold, he gets to this point, do you need peace? And I was like, man, I was, what I would give for just a cup of peace, right? Just, just a timeout. Just give me a timeout because I feel like I've been running up and down the field. And I was like, yeah, I need that. And my, I was standing at the invitation. My knuckles turned completely white. And then I let go and go down and talk to the preacher. And he says, um, what are you doing down here? And I said, I come to get peace that you talked about. I come to get that offering that you're saying is free. And he said, his name is Jesus. And I'm like, Jesus, I never put the two together. I don't know how I was ignorant and I was natural man. And I said, I've heard this before. And I went to turn away and go back to my seat. I said, Jesus, that, what does that mean? And he said, that, that's his name. This is who he's talking about. Isaiah's talking about Jesus. And I went to walk to go somebody and he said, if you walk away today, son, you'll never, ever give your life to Jesus Christ. And he was, I believe he was right. And that point, that place, Battlefield Boulevard, Emmanuel Baptist Church, I gave my life to Christ and I was baptized right near Christmas, saved forevermore. And guess what I have in my life today? Not just peace. The, the preacher didn't tell me the whole story. He offered me peace. But guess who I got? I've got the Prince of Peace living inside of me. I don't even have to actually worry about just a piece of peace. I have the Prince living in me. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I have God living in me. Does that sound weird to you and me? It's awesome, is it not? So no longer do I have to search for peace. It's immediately there because he's with me. Wherever I am, he is. Wherever I go, he's there. He's been before me. He'll be after me. He'll be with me. I never have to worry about having peace in my life ever again because the Prince of Peace resides within me. Is that amazing or what? So when you go through troubled times, when we have these shootings, when we have bad things happen in our life, people die. It is well with my soul. You sung that song. He lost his wife and his children as they were going to actually start ministry overseas. Can you still? He wrote that song after he lost his children and wives on a missionary journey to go set up a mission in Jerusalem. Did you know that? Could you sing, could you write those words right after you lose your family in the middle of going to mission for the Lord Jesus Christ? What's the biggest question we would ask today as Americans? Why, Lord, why'd you let that happen? Do you think he wrote Horatio Spafford, I think was his name? Do you think he wrote and asked God why? I'm sure he did. But you think, how did he get comfort? How did he get peace to write those words? It's because he knew the one who was in charge of his wife and his children's lives. He knew where they were going. The good thing about being a Christian is never a goodbye. It's always, I'll see you later. Everybody that's gone before us, even these guys we're reading about, Isaiah or Abraham, whomever we call out from the scriptures that was a follower of Christ or a follower of God who was a righteous person before God, we'll see them again. If it's your family member, if it's your friend, we'll see them again. That's why we're to be peacemakers of God. We're not just to actually bring peace as we think about, hey, just calm down. You don't fight anymore. That's not what the Bible's talking about. Even though we should live a gentle and meek life, he told us last week, he's talking about making disciples. Blessed are, try it this way, blessed are the disciple makers, for they shall be, so, be sons of God. Nobody wants to make a disciple of Jesus Christ unless you belong to him yourself. So the peacemakers are his children. And once we're his children, he says, I call you my children. I'll tell everybody, listen, Clint Smith is a son of mine. You imagine God bragging on you? There's no other gods to talk to. He's, he's God. 
He maybe talks to the angels. I don't know. Maybe the angels talk with him, but he brags and he's thankful. He's excited that you have come into the kingdom. Could you imagine there's a celebration? The Bible says every time someone's saved, there's a celebration in the very presence of God. You think God's up like this with a real sad face? God's not a Baptist. <laughs> God is full of joy. Every time someone comes to Christ, the Bible says there's a celebration in the very presence of God and the angels around his throne. He celebrates you. He celebrates me. He celebrates those who come into the kingdom. And then he says, okay, now that we're celebrating, go get somebody else. Go dive back in, swim back up to the shore. Go get somebody else. Keep making peace everywhere you go. Bring the gospel of peace because that's what Jesus did for you and for me. Let's continue. His name is Jesus, of course. Refers to Jesus as the Prince of Peace. So a peacemaker's resume must begin with a source of peace. Say it with me, church. What's his name? Jesus. Salvation is found in no other name but the name of Jesus. Acts 4, 10 through 12. Should we read it? The answer is absolutely yes. We went through Acts. But go there with me. Acts chapter 4. And I never look up. Actually, let me just read it off the screen. We'll go quickly. Let it be known to all, you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you think that's specific enough? Whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. And of course, y'all know what the, the healing of, of, of the man that was um, blind. And, and we continue. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, uh, which has become the chief cornerstone. I do need to see mine real quick. See, I shouldn't have read the screen, y'all. It got me distracted. That's part of my ADHD, right, back in the day? Y'all ever had that? No one told us we had it. We were just taught we were bad kids, right? Beat them till they submit. That's what the that's what we, that rule we live by. Here we go. Peter and John arrested the layman. man. Sorry, he got up. This is the stone which you was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. And 12 is the focal verse, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved. Is that the truth? Is that the whole truth? Can you be certain of that whenever you speak to someone in public? Can you be certain of that when you speak to your Muslim friends, if you have any? And I hope that you do. Can you speak to that and when you speak to anyone that's in whatever sin or whatever religion is outside of Christianity, can you with confidence say there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved and his name is Jesus? If you don't have the confidence of doing that, obviously you need to check salvation and find out, Lord, help me mature that I will get to that point. Give me another measure of faith that I might share it with someone else. And you know the Bible is very clear that God gives us all a measure of faith at salvation. Did you know that? The time you're saved, he gives you a measure of faith. Well, can your faith grow? We've read Romans 10, 17 before. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing how? By the word of God. Every time that Mr. Mike talked about the disciples this week, or the, the youth this week, the young disciples, why are they so excited? Why is the mountaintop experience? Because every day they're in the word of God. Like God is changing their lives. Well, that's the same for you and for me. Uh, we could have, if you will, mountaintop experiences in the flatlands, in the sand hills right here, right? We can actually have those mountaintop experiences because we have the word of God before us every single day. If we choose, the scripture tells us, Matthew notes, we may have peace with God because of the shed blood of Jesus. When he took our sins on the cross, he took our sins on the cross. That's not a typo. I just want to make sure you understood that. Because some of us live like, oh, just poor me. You live in wretchedness. You don't, well, you don't know who I was, pastor. Uh, Jesus can never love me fully. Here's the deal. I don't know who you were in the past life. 
it doesn't matter to me because what? You don't know who I was either, right? Some of you do. Some of you don't. And I've told you, if someone tells you a bad story about me, come see me because it's probably worse than they know, right? But same for you. I don't care if you're saved as a child, a teenager, adult, senior adult. When you're saved, all old things have passed away. We're going to get to the scripture. And he says, behold, all things have become what? New. Have we lost the sense of being new in Christ? Because we still like to boat anchor some of those sins, don't we? These are my scars. These are my leftovers. I just worry all the time, and we're dragging that anchor constantly. And the Lord's like, I've already cut that anchor loose. You picked it up with your own hands, and you're dragging it with your own hands. It's not attached to you. Do you get the picture? How many people do you know today that are living, dragging boat anchors, wishing, I just wish I could have freedom from this, whether it's addiction, whether it's the past? And the Lord said, I've already set you free. If the Son has set you free, the Bible says what? You're free indeed. So be free today when you read this passage of Scripture where God, Jesus himself says, I want you to have, be a peacemaker. And when you're a peacemaker, I am proud to call you my son, my daughter. But don't carry the, way, the weight of Satan anymore in the flesh. Let that mess go. Will you sin again? The answer is yes. That's why he put, had John write in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes I think, Lord, I was in there sitting back in this area last night. Lord, surely to goodness, you get sick of us coming to you constantly with our, oh, Lord, I, you know what I did the other day, and I'm so sorry for it. And just overwhelming peace came. No, I'm not. I know how you're made. You're frail. Temptations rise, and you give in to temptations. You sin, but listen, I love you. You're my son, my child. Come back to me, and let's be restored. Now let's move on. How many people have not moved on? You can be in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and still haven't moved on because I did this bad thing back here. If you check your hands, it's you who's still holding on to it, not God. When you pray, Lord, you remember when I was 13 and I did that wrong thing? There's a big nope from heaven. Lord, you remember when I was 30 and I, I stood before you and I cursed your name? I don't. If you've been forgiven, church, guess what? You've been forgiven. And at last, as little kids say, forever and ever and ever and ever. Isn't, it, isn't that great to know? Let's continue. And when he goes in Romans 5, 1 through 5, that same act that God did for you and me through Jesus Christ Go to Romans 5. Let's read this together. Mark this in your Bible because there's so many runs. This is like a compound, compound, compound sentence. And it just continues to go on and on. And yet Paul's trying to tell us, hey, there's more. And there's more. But wait, there's more, right? But wait, there's more. You ever had those commercials? You can buy one for $19.99, but if you send in an extra payment, you can get two for $19.99 and free shipping. That's the way this is with salvation. Listen, we get all this stuff from God, and he continues to say, but wait. And it's not 1999, it's free. Let's read together, look at Romans 5, 5, 1. This is so exciting. Therefore, having been justified, meaning acquitted, you've been acquitted of your sin. Therefore, having been justified, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is how we get the peace. Through whom also, and I circle the word, circle the number of alsos that you get. It's like, like just the little bonus buys in here, and the ands and alsos. Let me start over. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
through whom also we have what? Access by faith into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse 3. And not only that, right? Here's that caveat. But wait, there's more. But we, I circled it again. You see it in your Bible? What's the next word? Also, glory in tribulations. Now, anybody, any of us do that? We're Americans. Don't, what do we do? We cry. Kids used to cry and run in place. But she didn't like something. That's how she would actually, that's how she would rebel. She'd just run in place and scream. We called it the monkey scream. And she'd get out of control. When tribulations come for us as Americans, we do the same thing, don't we? But Lord, and we give him his whole pile. Lord, <laughs> right, we go down the list. We complain, 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 complain. And then what does the Lord do? I understand, but I love you. I met your need there, didn't I? Yes, you went through that tough time, but didn't I, didn't I meet you there with it? No, didn't I go through it with you? When do we usually realize that God's with us? After everything's passed, we look back and go, well, God was with me there and there. And what he wants to do, he wants to bring your sight from the rearview mirror to at least in the driver's seat with you and then looking out the windshield. Do you understand? He wants you to see that, hey, God's already there wherever you're going. So he knows you're going to sin and he knows that you're going to come to him because he convicts you of sin. And if you don't, he says he will discipline you. Amen. So quit looking out the rearview mirror saying, oh, the past, the Lord was good back then. He's good today. When you ask somebody, hey, tell me something good God's done in your life. Well, when I was 14, 17, we bring up these things. That, well, that's good. That's good to have that, that, if you will, that stone of remembrance, right? Your Ebenezer. But what is God doing today? How good is he woke you up this morning? The air conditioning's working in your house. It wasn't working here, but Mr. Derek got it fixed. He, right, he reset it. So it was warm, it was hot in here. It was a steam bath in here this morning when we started. But what I want you to understand is, look, God wants you to quit looking back. He wants you to at least get to the point of your, hey, he's with me, around me forever, and he's where I'm going. Tomorrow, God's there. Is that hard to think about? Whatever you're going to face tomorrow, whether it be a new job, a new school, death, whatever you're going to face tomorrow, if you're a Christian today, he's there. He doesn't wait for you to get there. He's there today because God's all ever present. Amen? There is no past. There's no future with him. It's, there's no present. It's just, yes, I am. You say, I don't understand that. Me either. Or should I say me neither, right? I don't understand it either. But God said we get all of this stuff. Let me, oh, I forgot all this, the tribulations. Why tribulations, God? Why tribulations? Because the Bible says tribulation produces perseverance. That keep on, keep it on. But Lord, I can't go another step. I told you to keep on, keep it on. I'm with you, never to leave you nor forsake you. Verse 4, in perseverance, guess what it develops in you? Look what your Bible says. This has got your name on it if you'll look. What is perseverance? So tribulation, you develop perseverance. That keep on, keep it on. Perseverance, you develop what? Character. How many of you would love to have, when someone speaks about it at your funeral, he was a man, a woman of godly character. So many people are ruining their lives today because they don't care. They live for the moment. Hey, I'll do that God thing. I'll do that religious thing sometime in the future. God's working right now in the Christian's life to produce character. And character, out of character comes what? Hope. And verse 5, this is kind of a nutshell. Seal it up, Paul. Now hope does not disappoint 
because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Here's another gift of God. I have the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm going to go through that time with tribulation with you. I know it's coming because we all know it's coming, don't we? We know that we're all going to die. And then the judgment, what the scripture says, unless the Lord Jesus Christ returns. So prepare your children today, grandparents especially. Talk to them about death. Hey, I'm going to heaven. I won't make sure that you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ because I will see you there. I'll be waiting for you. Can you make that promise and that commitment? The answer is absolutely. I'm going to be waiting for those that are behind me. I pray for a legacy of my family that would continue, that many would come to Christ. All my, all my children, my grandchildren, my children are saved. My grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, my great-greats, I don't even have them yet. I just continue to pray, Lord, let them be saved. I'd rather them not be born than die and go to hell. Let my children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, one day I just kept praying greats. I didn't know how long God was going to be there, so I just kept praying. After I became a Christian when I was in my 20s, I continued to pray for my grandchildren and great-grands and grands, whatever they are. Hey, are you doing the same? Do you want any of your offspring to go to hell? Then pray, but not only pray, live like you're going to model for them. There's a country song that uh, want to be like you, Dad, right? Y'all heard the song? That's how it should be with Christ. I want to be like you, Father. I want to walk like you. I want to talk like you. I want to do the things you do because you've shown me how, and you said you'd go with me. You've never left me nor forsake me. In today's focal passage, Jesus made a promise to those who are truly peacemakers, those who are spiritually secure. That's me. Listen, I'm one of those people. They shall be called the sons of God. That's who I am. My identity is not in what I do. My identity is not where I'm from. My identity is not in my family name. My identity is in Christ alone. That's who I am. You said, do you ever get worried? I have people who call me and say, Pastor, there's a group of people who don't like what you preached last week. You made them angry. And they said they're going to do something about it. And I'm like, I'll just pray through that. Right? But what if they see me on the street and shoot me dead? You can know as I'm dying, I'll say, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Then I get to see him face to face. We talked about, we sang this morning about seeing him face to face. We can't lose as Christians. But they said something ugly to me. <laughs> Build a big bridge and get over it, right? My brother, sister in church hurt my feelings. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul saying someone hurt me? He was beaten to death, stoned to death, many times shipwrecked, snake bitten. Could you imagine him coming to a Baptist church today? He'd wipe a church out, wouldn't he? He'd probably call them fire on the church today because, we, well, we, no, he wrote to them. They complained about they're getting more food than we're getting more food. And they're doing this and we're not doing that. He had his disagreements. Paul was not a perfect man, right? He and Barnabas, remember the story? They split over John Mark. Paul was not perfect. He never says he was, but the Holy Spirit in him was and the Holy Spirit in you is. We continue. Let me speed up. Can we really fathom the greatness of this promise? God calls us his children. Can you? Can you think about God calling you his child? If then we are his children, how shall we live? That's a big question, isn't it? What do I do with all this information? How should I live my life? This has ramifications, does it not? If you're the child of God, how should you live? 
Answer me back. How shall, you, how shall we live? If you're a child of God, how shall you live? You look at my children when they were little, and we were always accused of being too harsh. And Wendy was always the soft one. I was the disciplinarian. Be quiet. And I learned from an old black preacher who was preaching on the radio from another old black preacher that he talked about that his children, when they were bad, he just did this. He showed them three fingers. So when any time I was talking at church, we were at large churches, and I would just talk to my kids are misbehaving. I've already told them to not calm down. I would just simply do this. And you'd hear the death march start. The Phantom of the Opera would play. And they'd get home, and they'd start crying. Time to go, to, go, to, go to my room. If they went to my room, that was a death sentence. They were going to receive a whipping. If they went to their room, they were going to receive a lecture. Either way, they didn't like it. They cried all the way upstairs. And then I would sit down in my chair downstairs and listen to the wailing and gnashing of teeth until I was calmed down. Did I make sure I was not angry? Because I think sometimes when we were younger, we got spanked when Dad was angry. So I, I chilled out before I spanked my children. And I did spank my children. Didn't have to spank them too much because they knew when we spoke, it was, it was done. If Dad said it, if they saw three fingers, it was never, ever taken back three. He said, where's Grace? Well, Wendy wasn't there, so that's where um, <laughs> Dad came in. But a lot of people would say, we wished our kids were just like your kids. I'm like, listen, my kids aren't perfect, but there's an outcome we desire, and that outcome is, Lord, how do I raise a kid? I don't know how to raise a child. I'm an imperfect man. I'm a foolish man. How do I raise a child? Proverbs is full of how you raise a child. There's a book. We used to say there's no book written for the kid when they come with the kid. Yes, there is. There's a book been written a long time ago that tells you how to actually raise children and the admonition of the Lord. Well, if me as a father requires that of my kids, how much more the Heavenly Father? How does he want you to live? He wants you to live a godly life. He said, I just can't live a godly life. You need to check up on yourself. See if you belong to him. Because you can't live it by yourself, but he lives it through you. That Holy Spirit that fills you lives it through you. He'll say, uh-uh, don't say that. Nope, don't do that. Don't call that. Don't respond to that text. Don't send that. Don't you do it. And when we do it anyway, that's when we get disciplined, isn't it? Oh, Lord, I wish I'd listened to the Lord not done that. Let me continue. Some of these scriptures you're going to look at when you get home. These are powerful scriptures that tie into last week. Paul continued to what Jesus talked about. The Holy Spirit leads us. In John 14, we read that scripture today, the peace of God. The Holy Scriptures teach us. Romans 12, 1 and 2, what does he say? We, we, we give this to children all the time or young people, but we really need it as adults and as maturing older folks. Paul says this in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, I urge you, I, listen, I, I want you to surrender to the salt. I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You say, that's great. Let's make an application on verse 2. Let's read it again. And do not be conformed to TikTok. Do not be conformed to YouTube. Do not be conformed to social media of any stripe. Don't respond to people's allegations. Don't respond to this foolishness in this age. Don't let you give your mind over to the movies and the music of the day. And all we can do is giggle and our brothers have already done that. What's sad is if you want to do it as a parent, nobody can stop you. You're an adult, right? It's kind of like opening every box of cereal. I, sometimes I just open both boxes of Captain Crunch and pour into the same bowl. Just because I never could. We didn't have Captain Crunch much growing up. I was introduced to it late in life. 
We had biscuits and sausage, and we had everything that everybody, my friends wanted to come over to the house and eat. I wanted to go over to their house and eat, right? They had TV dinners and junk food. We had fresh vegetables and meats. But that's how we live as adults. You can make that choice, but your children are watching. And it is the wrong thing to say is, do as I say, not as I do. What a foolish parent you are. What a foolish grandparent you are if you do that. You have to model for your children. They're looking to you saying, is your faith real? Because I'm trying to make a decision if this thing is real to me. And if it's real to you, then it processes over. And they can say, mom, dad, they love Jesus. No matter what, I saw them go through tough times. They put Jesus first. I saw them struggle over tithes, giving tithes and offerings. They did it first. They gave to Jesus first, and we may do. And lo and behold, somebody gave us groceries, or somebody gave us something, or they got a tax check or something in the mail. But you have to model for your children. You have to model for those at church. That's why the other day I rode by and saw a police officer. I, I didn't know. I thought public safety officers couldn't smoke in public. But there's a cadet washing the fire truck, smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, I want to turn around and say, what, what terrible example you are. Go put a fire out somewhere and s- breathe in all that junk so don't put your respirator on, suck all that smoke in, but don't do it in front of children when you're in uniform. I, I guess I'm just judgmental like that. I think kids, should, that we should have examples for our children to see. Men should be examples for boys, and women should be examples for young ladies. And a lot of this crazy confusion in our world would not be happening if we would simply be the people of God that we're called to be and role model for those who are in need. The goal of this life is not world peace, our flesh, the world system, and Satan's team war against us daily. Our fight is to live in peace be his ambassadors, and help others be reconciled to Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. God is ever-present help to, be, to the peacemaker. Isaiah tells us that very clearly, that he's our ever-present help in time of trouble. That was to the people of Israel, but God's nature never changes. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything I've taught you. And listen, remember, I'm with you always until the end of the age. How long is Jesus with the Christian? Forever. When you die, you go to heaven to be in his presence. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. That's a beautiful thing of the God that we serve. He's always ever-present with the peacemaker. God is an ever-present help to the peacemaker. The children of God will walk daily in wisdom. When they sin, they run quickly to the throne of the Heavenly Father for forgiveness. God loves his children. That's evident in the scriptures I put out there for you. John 3, 16, John 1, 12, and James 3. Here's the question of the day. Are you walking in peace with God today? Are you? You had to make a decision on your own. You say, well, I don't want to sit in public. Well, we see you every day, right? We see you in public. You see me in public. You see me respond. Have anybody ever seen me on a bad day? Raise your hand if you've ever seen the pastor on a bad day. Me, personally. Go ahead. You raise your hand. A lot of y'all, we have 46 employees in the church. Right. You see me on a bad day. It happens. Here's a question. Has anybody ever seen me sin? Some of you have. My brother's here, so you can go ahead and raise your hand. My nephew's here. My sister-in-law's here, right? The thing is, there's no perfect people on the planet, but there's forgiven people. And I want to say, has anybody ever heard me pray? Raise your hand. That's how I want you to remember me. Has anybody ever seen me read the scriptures? That's how I want you to remember me. Has anybody ever seen me try to lead people to Christ, to God's throne? That's how I want you to remember me, because that's what's important. That's how I want to remember you. You can't fake it until you make it. That's, that's the world's way. 
Jesus said, you're born again, and then I will give you my spirit, and then you're going to go forward in Jesus' name. Can a new believer lead somebody to Christ right away? Yes, I did. I didn't know any better. I didn't know what I was doing. My friend Mark Garcia said, I want what you have. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That new religion thing you got. And I'm like, I said, why don't you come to church with me tonight? I'll let the preacher tell you. And so the preacher preached, and we sat in a party. He said, I'm not sure. I can't do this. Out in the car. The same pastor led me to Christ. I'm sitting out in the car going, my wife's asking me all these questions. We sat there until 10 o'clock at night after Sunday night church. And I said, let's just go knock on the door, man. I don't know how to tell you what I got. I don't know how to do this, this thing. I mean, I just, I just prayed, asked Jesus to forgive me, and I, I don't know how to do that. I don't like to know the right way to do it. And he said, uh, you're not very good. And I said, I know. So we went to the church at 10 o'clock at night, knocked on the door. Boom, boom, boom. The pastor opens the door at 10 o'clock at night. What are you doing here? What are you all doing here? Right? He wants this what I got and what you gave me. What are you talking about? He wants to be saved. Well, come into my office. The pastor went through the plan of salvation. You know that you're a sinner? Church, help me out. You be Mark, I'll be the pastor. You know that you're a sinner? Yes. Mark said the same thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm a sinner. Because Mark was a terrible sinner. He was my shipmate, right? We were in the Navy together. We, we were terrible. So do you know that you're a sinner? Do you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? Get down on your knees and ask him to forgive you of being a wretched sinner. Mark hits his knees. You pray after me, son. Dear God, and Mark prays out loud, loud. Dear God, say it with me, try it. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe God raised Jesus from the dead. I believe he's alive today. God, would you make me a Christian? And something happened, Mark started crying. It was awesome, man. He was a big old boy. Started crying. He goes, something changed. Something's changed inside of me. And the pastor said, instead of saying loving, he's like me, get up. <laughs> you need to schedule a baptism, show everybody that you're now living for Jesus Christ and live for him forevermore. Yes, sir. I think the pastor scared me and Mark into the kingdom of God. But Mark is an evangelist today. He travels the East Coast that I know of and preaches the gospel and uses, he was a disc jockey on the side. He uses all of his equipment out for the glory of God. When I got out of the ministry, got out of the, I mean, got out of the Navy, was in the ministry, and I was feeling low one day, just saying, what am I doing? This is, I don't know what I'm doing. You ever felt that way in your job? Lo and behold, Mark sends a, he sends me a, a note, sends Wendy a bouquet of flowers. It says, get off, you're sorry behind, same like the old pastor, Quit moping around. How did he know this? This came out of nowhere. No return address. And serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It was powerful to me. It kicked me in my backside. I guess what I did. I haven't stopped since that day. Haven't seen Mark. Can't find him on Facebook. Can't find him on social media. For 25, 30 years, we haven't seen each other. But I know he's still in praying for me, and I'm praying for him. Isn't that crazy? It's a crazy thing how God does this. Are you walking in the peace of God today? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? That's important. You can pray that simple prayer as quick as Mark prayed it, as simple as I prayed it, as simple as it comes off your lips. You can be saved, and Jesus can give you peace today. Anybody watching my Facebook or social media, you can have peace today. It's simply saying, God, I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe God raised him from the dead. And I want to be a Christian. I want him in my life today. Would you come in? And the answer is what, church? Yes. yes. 
Is God pleased with your daily living today? Yes or no? And you have to make that decision yourself. I want to pray for you today, but I want you to understand this is not a legalistic work it out where you got to do so much work and then get the trophy. This is God giving you salvation, and he helps you work out the faith of the job that he wants you to do. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much that you do know us by name. We do <laughs> thank you, Lord, that you forgive us. If anybody would ask, Lord, you say anyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's such good works today, good words. Thank you, Jesus, is all we can say. Thank you for helping us be those peacemakers. Thank you for helping us be those disciple makers. And thank you, Lord, for calling us your sons and your daughters, those who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And I pray for anybody in the room today, Lord, if they've never accepted Jesus, that today would be the day of salvation, just like I did, just like Mark did. Hey, I don't know what you're talking about, but I just want that done in my life because something's compelling me to say yes to Jesus. Help us, Lord, be those people that love you so much. We'll tell a signpost about Jesus if that's what you call us to do. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for carrying us through. And as we sing, Father, may we pray for that lost person. May we rejoice in our spirit. May we say amen, amen. And may some come to know Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen.